Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, the largest NFT purchase to date, luxury goods on the blockchain, and the SEC gets a new chair. How will it affect crypto? Coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Wednesday, January 13th, 2021. Before I started doing the show today, I was watching Max Kaiser. Full on clickbait got me. I think the title was something like Max Kaiser closest to predicting the end of 2020's Bitcoin price. What does he say for 2021? So I clicked it. I wanted to see what he had to say. And then he started speaking. And I was like, okay, he knows about Bitcoin. Of course he knows about Bitcoin. But he started talking and then he said some key words. The interviewer asked him, how did you come up with this price? The price was $220,000 by the end of 2021. He said, I can't tell you that. It's proprietary. (laughs) And I was just like, what kind of crap is that? Somebody's going to tell you Bitcoin's going to go to $220,000, but it won't tell you how. And he says the normal crap like, oh, the halving, the miners, the hash rate, blah, 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 blah. I want to say that, look, he could be right. He could be wrong. Nobody nobody knows the future. Nobody knows the price of Bitcoin at the end of 2021. It could be $3,000. We don't know. All I can say is when you're looking at these people and they don't have transparency or it's behind a paywall, I'm just going to have to say you guys are full of crap. Look, Plan B is out there talking about stock to flow. You can go on YouTube and search Beginner's Guide to Stock to Flow and how to read these charts. And then you can see not only his data and how he ran his data, but people confirming his data or challenging his data. You see people writing at Plan B all the time talking about his price predictions and the stock to flow model. But Max Kaiser has it behind a paywall. When Bitcoin goes crazy, we have a lot of people coming out of the woodworks that have just dropped off or getting paid to shill Bitcoin come out and just put stuff behind paywalls. You're going to have trading groups. People send you emails or newsletters. Come look at my portfolio. See what I'm holding. All kinds of crap like that. Even yesterday, Lindsay Lohan, Lindsay Lohan comes out with a Twitter video or some kind of video saying Bitcoin to 100,000, Ethereum to 10,000. Who the hell is Lindsay Lohan in this space and why the hell should we care about what she has to say about Bitcoin price? Anyway, I want to bring this up because I've been saying this for the past couple of months. When we head into a Bitcoin bull, the bottom feeders are going to start coming out and trying to take your money, trying to scam you, trying to tell you they have special proprietary knowledge. They're going to hire these movie stars or <laughs> was movie stars to come out and show Bitcoin price or maybe some exchange or trading platform or course or newsletter. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. People who want you to get into Bitcoin has their information out there open sourced and free. Jameson Lop, Plan B, and so many more has the information for you. My Crypto, Taylor Monahan. Look, you want information? You want to go down the rabbit hole? There's plenty, plenty of free fact-checked, open-sourced information out there that isn't behind a paywall. All you have to do is look and don't fall for it. Now, getting into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. 
Here we go. Money talk. I'm recording this at 11.03 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $34,664.64, up 1.2% from yesterday. Ethereum, $1,067.93, up 1.25% from yesterday. Litecoin, $138.61, up 0.8%. Chainlink, $15.16, up 5.1%. And XRP, $0.30 cents even, up 4% from yesterday. Total market cap for all of cryptocurrency is $943.4 billion, up 2.8%, with a BTC dominance of 68.4 cents. Top 10 coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tether, XRP, Litecoin, Cardano, Bitcoin Cash, Polkadot at number 8, Stellar, and then Chainlink at number 10. I have a couple interviews for you today. In our first interview, we're going to talk to Craig Russo, the co-founder and lead at Polyant Games, and he's going to talk about the largest NFT purchase to date. What was it? Well, we're going to tell you right now. Hey, Matthew, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Look, the largest NFT purchase to date was with your company. I want to know about this because when we're talking about large purchases in this environment, in this crypto environment, we could be talking about some big money. Talk to me, man. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm the uh, co-founder of Polyant Games. Uh, it's really the first fully functional decentralized ecosystem focused on blockchain gaming. Uh, and NFTs and innovations around NFTs related to decentralized finance. Uh, so we're really building the infrastructure necessary for bringing uh, liquidity and access to the NFT asset class. And you know we're very very bullish on blockchain gaming. And uh, you know our bullishness is best represented by our, our recent purchase, the largest of all time, uh, of the Citadel of the Sun NFT from Gala Games for their upcoming Mirandus MMORPG game. Uh, now, Gala wait, wait, wait. Game. Got, got to stop you there. You said yeah. a lot of a lot of acronyms. <laughs> what what do you what, what does that mean? Yeah. So essentially, it's a large open world game that's looping in a lot of blockchain and decentralized finance app, you know, uh, type applications into the game layer. And so, Polyant Games actually with this purchase uh, is becoming the financial layer for uh, a decentralized game. And so, we really see this as the future of of gaming uh, as it relates to uh, the crypto economy. And so. Uh, we're very excited about that. You said the largest purchase of NFT to date. H- how much was the purchase for and what was purchased? Yes. So uh, the purchase for it was for $800,000. It was paid in USDC on OpenSea. Um, wow. Yes. Uh, and so what we purchased was essentially a plot of land within this upcoming world uh, that gives us uh, access and rights to the uh, banking system essentially within the game. Uh, and so, you know, when you're playing uh, traditional games, uh, you know, can't really tie in a lot of blockchain into the actual game experience because it's just not scalable. Uh, but we essentially are going to be functioning both inside of the game as an entity, you know, a traditional game, uh, as well as the bridge with the traditional crypto world, leveraging the infrastructure that we have in our ecosystem. And so we have like a decentralized exchange for uh, in-game currencies and adjacent fungible tokens to NFT uh, economies. Uh, and a lot of unique DeFi applications like an upcoming vault system for staking NFTs and, and other rewards. And so we're going to be intertwining that uh, with a leading game uh, really for the first time uh, uh, you know, the system will exist. So I, I just wanted to break this down into traditional terms. You paid $800,000 for some digital real estate. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, and, how, and how many acres would that be? I mean, what is- <laughs> well, it's, it, it's, it's the, it's the digital, digital real estate and the concession to be the, the financial layer of this world. 
uh, which, you know, the, the Gala Games team is led by a co-founder of Zynga uh, and has uh, some substantial developers behind it that have created AAA games before. Uh, so we're very bullish um, on their ability to bring in mainstream users uh, to blockchain gaming and, and are really excited to support them on the, the tokenomics and, and uh, crypto side of things. And when we're talking about large open world games, I mean, we're talking about buying and selling things on there. We're, we're talking about, you're probably going to say NFT, like shields and dressware and, you know, different uh, tokens and, you know, buying and selling within there, the whole like digital economy. Am I correct with this? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, there's a lot of precedents set in traditional games where, you know, that uh, in-game item purchases are, are very commonplace. Uh, and so with the, the surge of NF the NFT economy, it really allows for that true uh, player ownership of their assets. And that really unlocks a lot of unique economic paradigms that we really aim to facilitate from a decentralized finance perspective. Uh, and so you can really see like, you know, the work you put in, the sweat equity you put into a game and you, you, know, you gain items, you're able to then bring that to us and leverage those items in a decentralized finance uh, um, system, whether it's through staking, through trading them on a marketplace, you know, or simply holding on to them for, uh, you know, for future use cases within the game. Uh, and so this is really, you know, the cutting edge of blockchain gaming. And, and what we hope to establish here is, is that crosstalk between uh, the gaming world and the crypto world. This is a far cry from Pac-Man, huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> Craig, Craig Russo, lead at Polyan Games. Thank you for coming on the show and talking about Thank this. Thank you so much, Matthew. Appreciate it. Next, we have Luke Jodet, co-founder of Ariani. And Ariani is a company that is putting luxury goods on the blockchain. What does that mean? How does it work? And why are they doing that? That's coming up right now. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you very much for having me. Look, I think that the blockchain has so many different use cases that we don't talk enough about. I mean, it's about moon, Lambos, gains, or, you know, currency. But we also don't talk about, like, the use of a ledger, a ledger that is immutable, that's trustless. And you have a company that does something very unique with that ledger. Tell us about it. Absolutely. So, I mean, we're, we're really in the idea of uh, Web 3.0 and, and using um, the blockchain for more than just uh, creating uh, a digital currency. So really what Ariane uh, does is create uh, digital certificates for um, luxury products. Um, so really it serves as both a uh, proof of authenticity, uh, a proof of ownership, uh, but also it's a touch point, uh, for an anonymous touch point for um the brands that are releasing those certificates. Uh, it's really useful because a lot of luxury brands actually do not have a direct contact with their customers because they sell via, via retailers. Uh, and uh, why we're using blockchain here is because um, a blockchain certificate or, or non-fungible token we're using is um, something that is truly owned uh, by the owner and is uh, freely transferable uh, and also shareable uh, to a wide public. So it really replaces um, the, the paper certificates today that luxury watches or, or um, luxury products uh, give today. And we have we really think that, uh, and, and it's been shown by, uh, by the, the brands using us, um, that those digital certificates um, actually replace exactly um, the, the paper certificate that they have today. So, so why is this important? I guess, I guess somebody who doesn't buy a lot of luxury goods, maybe can't afford luxury goods, doesn't understand the, uh, the importance of this. So to a certain extent, so I, this means that we're starting with luxury goods. The idea is to go down the, the, the value chain uh, over time. But the, the luxury goods is actually a really good uh, first application uh, because um, every luxury watch. So we work today with, with, brands, with brands like uh, Bretling, Vacheron Constantin. Uh, we have uh, Audemars Piguet in, the, in the, the consortium as well. So really high-end watches. And all of those watches come with a, a certificate of authenticity, which is a physical uh, either 
piece of paper historically and now a digital card um, that are that is a, a proof of, of both ownership and uh, and authenticity. Um, for, it also usually comes with a little uh, passport or that that enables you to write when you've uh, updated your or when you serviced your watch. Uh, and uh, all this information is extremely uh, important for resale value, um, but also to in order to get insurance. Um, and, our, and, and we hope in the future to actually uh, do a bunch of other things. Um, you can imagine, you know, partial ownership of a of a luxury good, which is already something that's been explored by other brands. But here it would be backed by the fact that the brand is actually the one issuing that certificate of, of um, that digital passport for the product. I would assume that this also helps uh, with counterfeits. Like you're going to have counterfeits making. I mean, everybody's seen a, a counterfeit Rolex. The guy on the streets of New York City with the watches in his in his trench coat opens up the side and he goes, "Hey, you want a Rolex? Uh, it, does it help with that, or is that another issue?" So I mean, it it helps to a certain extent. I mean, the guy on the street that's uh, you know, if you're buying a Rolex off the street for thirty bucks, you know it's a fake. So that's not going to change anything, uh, except the fact that you know when you present to your friends and your friends ask you, "Hey, show me, you know, show me that it's a real one. Show me the certificate on your phone." Um, then that will maybe reduce a bit counterfeiting, um, but counterfeiting is is a much wider issue than than just being able to prove that a product is authentic. Um, now, where it will help um, is is on the resale market. Um, so we're talking with several uh, uh, resale marketplaces. For them, um, it's a first uh, you know it's a first filter. Uh, if you want to resell your watch on, um, I don't know, uh, Watchfinder, Chrono 24, or maybe on, on places like Vinted or even StockX in the future, uh, if you have the, the INE certificate, it's already a first proof for them that you actually own a true product. Doesn't necessarily mean that the product that you send when you're when you're selling it is real, uh, but it does show that you own a real product. So you still need all those platforms to physically verify that the product is real. But it is a first filter, so it's an additional layer in the counterfeiting. But counterfeiting is really not the core or what we're doing. We're really interested in the fact that you, when you can prove that you own a real product, you can facilitate a bunch of other services around the product. As I said, insurance, recommendations. And really quick, I, I know that there's some recent good news about your company and working with the watch manufacturer Breitling. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So uh, Breitling is one of the first watch uh, makers who actually is going distributing a certificate of authenticity uh, from or an irony uh, passport with every single one of their products. Uh, and uh, it was announced uh, a couple of months ago, but since January 1st, you can actually see it on chain. Uh, they've started uh, uh, generating um, those uh, digital passports uh, and uh, they'll be doing that on their entire production this year. That's wonderful. And actually, I do have another follow-up question too. That is, you said on chain, what chain are you using? Is it Ethereum or is it a private blockchain? So we use Ethereum and a side chain for, well, we have the same issues with the scalability. So you're using Ethereum for part of our protocol. And then we also use a, a layer two or, or scaling uh, blockchain called uh, POA network. This being said, all of this is actually, you can find all the technical documentation and all the, the different links on um, rne.org um, where you'll find the, the tech documentation and, and other information about the members of the consortium because you have more brands than Breitling that are part of the consortiums, consortium. And um, um, that's where you'll find all this info. Luke Zode, co-founder of RNE. Thank you for coming on the show and telling us about what you're doing with the blockchain. Thank you very much, Matthew. And another news, biting to appoint Obama-era vet Kinsler as SCC chairman. Gary Kinsler served as the CFTC, Commodity Futures Trading Commission chair, from 2009 to 2014. Now, President-elect Biden reportedly wants Kinsler's rules-driven approach for the SCC. Who is this Gary Kinsler? He's a professor of the practice of global economics and management at MIT Sloan School of Management. He's also the senior advisor to the director of MIT Media Lab and co-director at MIT's FinTech Lab. 
Hester Pierce says, under the Biden presidency, the SEC can take a fresh look at crypto. Interesting enough, now I'm not too sure about the timeline, if it was before or after this report about Gensler coming on as the SEC chair, but the SEC enforcer behind the $1.3 billion Ripple lawsuit is stepping down. Mark P. Berger is the acting director at the Division of Enforcement at the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, or at the SEC. He played a major role in the SEC enforcement against Ripple Labs. However, like I said, he's leaving this month. The reasons? Not too sure, but less people suing crypto projects is probably a good thing. Now, Gensler, he seems pro-crypto, yet he seems very strong on regulations. In the show notes, I have a conversation of him and Hester Pierce talking at MIT to students about crypto, about regulations, about ICOs, about all kinds of different topics. You can see that he is, one, very knowledgeable, but he's also very cautious and wants regulation. Remember, he was working for the Obama era because of the housing crisis, so he knows when regulations go bad. The Bitcoin maximalists and the libertarians don't seem quite too happy with this pick because of the regulations, but in my opinion, if he's pro-crypto, if he understands crypto, that means he's not going to try to ban crypto or crazy regulations, but he's going to try to fold it into our current financial system and our current economy. So it might not be everything that Bitcoin maximalists or a libertarian might want, but it is definitely a step in the right direction. This next article is actually a very good thought experiment. DeFi is paving the road for self-driving banks, says OCC chief. Brian Books, who is a former executive of Coinbase, now the U.S. Comptroller of the Currency, has written an op-ed about DeFi for the Financial Times. According to Brooks, DeFi protocols can function without human moderation and it poses new risks from a regulatory standpoint. He equates this to self-driving cars. He says this, For people driving cars, you know there's laws for, say, speed limits, giving signals, drunk driving, and they've all been designed to protect against dangerous drivers, not dangerous cars. Autonomous vehicles brought new risks that legacy rules never considered. And that's an interesting statement because one of the thought experiments is who programs the cars to act in certain ways. If they have a choice between killing the passenger or killing, say, somebody on the side of the road, and there is no other option, what course of action does the car choose? And who puts that into the car's code to make that decision? Now we're just going to stop this analogy right here because we can go down the rabbit hole really, really far into this thought experiment. But we can juxtapose that into self-driving banks. Same thing. In a self-driving bank, who holds the ultimate responsibility? And finally, Bitcoin startup Ramp expands to U.S. and Canada. Ramp Network now allows residents of U.S. and Canada to buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, USDC, and DAI for fiat money like U.S. dollars. Other blockchain projects can use Ramp's SDK to help users top up their crypto balances more easily. Over the past couple months, the company saw a 400% increase for demand for Bitcoin and Ethereum. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Aaron. Don't forget to go over to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. It helps us a lot. I'll see you tomorrow and happy hodling.